From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. We want to move on to something now that is, of course, something that all sports fans are excited about. Anyone who's a fan of Las Vegas is excited about because Formula One is preparing to race right through the neon heart of the city of sin. The 3.8-mile track will weave past world-famous casinos and hotels with drivers reaching speeds of up to 212 miles per hour. This is a giant undertaking. It required an investment of $500 million. And I'm pleased to say that joining us now is Greg Maffei, CEO of Liberty Media, the parent company of Formula One. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm sure you're very excited. Give us a sense of what the last-minute uh, preparation looks like right now from where you sit. Thank you for having me. Well. We are all very excited. I think uh, all of Las Vegas is gearing up and we're ensuring that the track, the barriers are set. We're ensuring that the, uh, the track is clear and clean and we're ready to go. You're ready to go. And of course, there's been a couple of U.S. Grand Prix. There's been one in Austin. There's been one in Miami. And a lot of people say that the Austin one really felt like it was one for uh, the people, for regular fans, while the one in Miami and now the one in Vegas feels more like it's for corporate sponsors. And the ticket prices are a little bit more out of reach. How worried are you that three U.S. Grand Prix races might be a little bit too much and, and differentiating between these different races? Well, first, I think each of the races has a different character. And they're very, uh, have characteristics which make them unique and special and all worthy. Uh, I do think Vegas is going to be unique in that it's a, a night race down the strip on a Saturday night. I think it's going to be iconic. Uh, the visuals will be amazing. And I am not worried about demand because we have been lucky enough to see interest in Formula One explode here in the U.S. Um, partly due to Netflix, partly due to social media, partly due to uh, the quality of the product. We've seen increasing fan interest with fans of all ages and all different sorts of levels of attention and knowledge grow as an, as an audience group. Well, when you think about how to keep that momentum going, how to keep building the sport in the U.S., do you think that F1 needs a U.S. star to do that? Well, I think a U.S. star would be great, but we don't seem to have a problem. We've had an English star, we've had a Dutch star, and we have a lot of people who love uh, Lando Norris or Carlos Sainz or Charles Leclerc. So there's interest in all uh, nationalities. It doesn't seem to have stopped a lot of interest in the sport. And so let's talk about, to how Liberty actually profits from this. So as I understand it, you're the promoter for Vegas, so you have direct ownership of the actual race. How does that turn into a profit, and what's the timeline there? Well, uh, we have a, a bunch of big revenue streams as Formula One. We've got broadcast, we've got sponsorship, we have uh, uh, promoter fees where the promoter pays us a fee. There may be some overrides for success. In this case, we are the promoter. So we are taking in all of the, the local sponsorship. We are taking in all of the, the ticketing money. We're taking in the hospitality. 
we will share that with the teams. Obviously, after expenses, we'll share that with the teams. Greg, I got to ask you about Andretti. Um, of course, this is another team that the FIA has approved, but uh, Liberty, as the commercial holder of the race, um, hasn't yet done so. And we know yeah. that there's some concerns among other team principals that maybe are against expanding the grid. Do you think it is inevitable? No, nothing's inevitable. I think there's a process which Formula One will go through. Uh, we will look at what a new team can offer. Uh, we're blessed with 10 very strong teams, a lot of excitement. But we'll look at how a new team, which would be sharing in the growth and sharing in the profitability of the sport, uh, we'll look and see how what they can bring to the table and uh, whether they're the best entrant to expand our team roster. What are the terms that you're considering? I'm just wondering what kind of timeline are you operating under in, in thinking of making a decision here? Oh, I think you'll see it over the next several months, We're not, but we don't have a set deadline. And so, Greg, I also want to talk about uh, pretty much the sport more broadly. Are you seeing more people try to come in and buy F1 teams? What does that look like? Absolutely. So Liberty's been involved with F1 for about seven years now. And literally, when we started, the bottom team got sold for one pound. Manor went into receivership in the UK, equivalent of bankruptcy, and no one would buy them. And now uh, the bottom teams are probably worth close to a billion dollars, maybe 750 uh, $750 million, and the top teams are probably worth $3 billion. We've seen an explosion in prices, and we've seen a huge growth in demand. Um, most recently, uh, an investor group bought into Alpine, including people like Rory McIlroy and um, uh, Ryan Reynolds. So not only do we have a lot of investor interest, we have a lot of uh, highly uh, pro high-profile investor interest. More investor interest means uh, an expansion of the sport, of course. I hate to go back to the idea of an 11th uh, team here, but I do wonder the environmental considerations of widening the grid as well, and I'm sure this is something you think about as well. What kind of emissions, pollutions, logistics challenges does that present, and how do you think through doing the due diligence for that? Yeah, I think the 11th team is just part of our, you know, one of the considerations is that we have a, a 2030 zero carbon plan, We'll have a, uh, and the new engine in 2026 comes forth, which is a, a hybrid engine that'll be with a sustainable fuel. But we're looking to look make the whole ecosystem uh, environmentally friendly. 11th team may stress that and add to that a little, but I don't think uh, we could absorb that for the right team because we have a plan that I think is very sound. All right, Greg, it's great to get some time with you. Really appreciate it. That is Greg Maffei, of course, the president and CEO of Liberty Media. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.